0: you are now tuned into the Storm Tracker podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin representing canescounty.com part of the Rivals network. Also make sure you subscribe to this podcast the storm tracker podcast on all platforms and of course subscribe to kate use the promo code miami30 for the first 30 days for free and today i've got my guy brandon odoy from footballhotbed.com joining with me how you doing today brandon
1: good what's up marcus
0: good good just you know i uh, i feel like i need this bye week too just just like miami's going uh to have this week but i kind of wanted to just discuss the hurricanes right now canes are four and oh um i i predicted that to happen i actually predicted five and oh i do expect them to to take care of business at home against georgia tech who has a bit of improved from last year but four and oh is four and oh brandon and and it's not like they were all cupcakes as well. Texas A&M has proven to be a pretty good team. Uh, they've beaten some some good teams. And then Miami of Ohio uh, beat Cincinnati, uh, not, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. So it's really kind of shaping up to a really solid 4-0 um, by, by national standards. And the nation's starting to recognize it too. Miami's now 18th in the country now. Uh, still behind a couple of the ACC teams in the AP poll with Florida State still in the top five and Duke and North Carolina ahead of them. But what's your assessment of this 4 0 Miami Hurricanes football team? Are you believing? Do you believe? <laughs>
1: Do I believe? Uh, to quote uh, Deion Sanders. But I, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I think 4 0 at this point, once you get past the A&M game, everybody pretty much thinks, okay yeah, you shouldn't lose to Miami of Ohio. You shouldn't lose to Temple. Even though that game, I don't know why it was played on the road. That's just some bad athletic directorship in in, in previous years for Miami. But at the end of the day, 4-0 is 4-0. There's not a bad 4-0 you can have. You, you're 4-0, and, but not only are you 4-0, you're relatively healthy for the most part. You're expecting to get some guys back, some key guys back. And uh, I mean, you look at the the, the television broadcast, Mesidor is on the sidelines kind of smiling and doing all kinds of things. So you wonder if he could play, if he had to, you know, we don't know the extent of any injuries, but at the end of the day, you're relatively healthy. You're playing really good football. You're putting up a lot of points and your defense looks good. You're developing quality depth as a hurricane team and you're finding gems uh, in your team that are starting to play above the level they've been playing at for years. And I know we're going to talk about this later, but it begs teasing, which is to Corey couch. This is a kid who's a fifth year program kid, a kid who's sort of been the Billy goat in in previous seasons and, and been sort of a liability, even early on in the Texas A&M game, they tried to go at him because on film, he looks like a liability. And that's one of the reasons he was able to pick because he was getting targets and, um, You just have to credit Jamel Dye and that whole Lance Gidry led defensive staff because, at the end of the day, they're developing guys you need to develop to be a championship team. And so, you have to like a lot about what's happening right there in Coral Gables right now.
0: Yeah, fans gotta love it right now. Four and oh, yeah, you can't really ask for anything more going into this by week, but now it's, it, it's, big boy time, right? It, it's, it's the ACC schedule and uh, they'll start out with Georgia tech and then they'll go to North Carolina, which is going to be a big game. Obviously North Carolina ranked ahead of Miami. And then you, you come back home to Clemson, which is going to be a big game and then Virginia. So we'll find out a lot about this football team here in the month of October last year. This team went three and five in the conference, and they were just not very good on a lot of fronts. Uh, But this year seems very, very different. And we'll kind of get to learn if they are truly going to challenge for this ACC title in the next upcoming weeks. I want to ask you, Brandon, Like, what what was your kind of projection of this team before the season starts compared to now and do you think this team has a legitimate shot at, at this conference title?
1: Yeah, I think you got to say they have a legitimate shot. My going into you know this year, I was on record as saying this is a six and six, seven and five ceiling team, and I'll tell you why. I mean, the offensive line now that we know is much improved was you know, there were so many question marks about would they jail, uh, and would all of the the chances that this staff took to improve the offensive line, would they work? I was all in on Tyler Van Dyke being a system guy, meaning what Rhett Lashley ran worked for him. What was run last year, you know, did not work. And, you know, it just so happens that it's looking very Rhett Lashley-ish. I've said he's a system yeah. quarterback, uh, but he's in the right system. So he's flourishing and he's doing well and it's aided by, I think a better offensive line, uh, more cohesiveness uh, with an offensive structure. And you kind of see a little bit there's a theme to this offense, you know, that they're sort of developing how they get the ball, how they distribute, how they run plays. And, and, and that's a credit to, to Coach Dawson and, and what he does. But at the end of the day, yeah, there's a lot to like with Tyler. There's a lot to like with what's happening but yeah, I was definitely in the wait and see mode with this team because there were just too many question marks. I wasn't sure what was going to happen on the front seven. You know, would Miami be able to pressure uh the football with that front seven with a lot of the departures, would it hold up cuz it was a defensive line that wasn't very good in the first place and then lost a, a couple of key uh spots and some young guys have to step up. What I'm noticing and what's probably leading to sort of a better outlook for the future of this season Is the fact that they've developed quality depth, that guys are playing better than they were initially expected or projected to play. And then a lot of teams are not as good as we thought they were going to be. And when you gel all those things together, yeah, six and six, seven and five looks like an underestimation on how good this Hurricane team could be.
0: Yeah, the ACC, uh, schedule is not a gauntlet in in any, in any regard. I mean, even Clemson, dare I say, it looks like a really winnable game for Miami based on what they've shown so far. They've already lost two ACC games and we're not even in October yet. I, I don't remember the last time that we've, we've said something like that about the Clemson Tigers. So Clemson I think is a winnable game for the hurricanes. I certainly think they have a chance to beat North Carolina as well. Virginia, not that good this season. Georgia Tech, um, you know, their immediate game. Uh, I think they it, they have to be a little bit just concerned coming off the bye and not having the energy that you have coming off of a game. Uh, so there's some concern of how they'll show up. But the fact Absolutely. that it was, just, it was just, just announced today that it's a night game, I think that helps the Hurricanes. That helps
1: Miami a lot. And we know that helps because over the years, Miami fans will show up a lot more at night here for games, particularly sure. when this team is good. That's why you got that you know, unbelievable, unforgettable game against Notre Dame so many years ago. When this team's good, and then you you can even go back a little bit further when they knocked off Oklahoma back in the 9 era, you know, and and, and those type of games. You look at this Miami Hurricane team and this fan base, they rally around winners. What's happening in the city? The Dolphins are super explosive right now. And uh, I see you representing right (laughs) there, Marcus. But, you know, we like that because this is a party culture first city. This is a city that enjoys to celebrate. If the team is going to be good, if there's a party, if there are spirits that can be, uh, you know, responsibly partaking in, that's going to bode well for fan support. And that, th- those are just the facts. If you're a South Floridian, you understand and know that formula. But this is what's happening with this Miami Hurricane team right now. Um, you get Georgia Tech at home. That game has become a little bit more of a trap game now because of their performance against Wake, against Wake Forest and how good they are. But you get them coming off of a bye week. So now you have an opportunity you may see some guys that we haven't seen in several weeks. And I predicted this on my own podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. I said, there's really, because of that way these guys got injured and the way they're going to, you know, have the next couple of games scheduled, there's no reason to see any of these guys again until North Carolina. Well, maybe they come back against Georgia Tech. I'm talking about Camp Kitchens, um, sure. and I'm talking about, you know, the of the world or whatever the case may be. We don't truly know what's wrong with those guys. But at the end of the day, I don't think the ACC is as strong as it was, you know, projected going into the season. But I would also say the same about the SEC. You know what I mean? The strongest yeah. pop- conference to me right now looks to be the Pac-12. And they're on their <laughs> last year. You know, it's right. strange because yeah. Auburn's a shell of who we thought they were. They hadn't really played anybody. Texas AM and took the game completely to them. Tennessee's not who we thought they were. They got beat by what we think is a mediocre Florida team. We're not sure they're looking much better, but, you know, still kind of barely got by Charlotte. Their game wasn't really super impressive. Then, you know, you've got Alabama who's had all, all kinds of problems. So there are a lot of teams going into the season. The point that I'm making is we may have overestimated a lot of teams and may have underestimated this hurricane team and this roster, Mario crystal balls put together. So we'll find out definitely in the next two weeks. Uh, I mean, post by, but we'll find out Georgia tech, North Carolina. I've always said North Carolina on the road is the litmus test for this program. That yeah. is going to tell a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Very, I'm looking forward to that matchup. Not only because it's, it's like their first conference road game of the season, but just to see the matchup with Tyler Van Dyke and Drake may, that, that's that's gonna be an interesting one because the one thing about this hurricanes team you can you haven't you don't know really is can they overcome adversity they haven't really faced a lot of adversity i mean there was some in the Texas AM game early but then they kind of pulled away in that game but you kind of want to see them in a situation where they have to make a throw or they have to make a stop in order to win a game. And I, I believe that we'll see that in that North Carolina game. And and just like you said, it, it'll be a, let me test for them. Brandon. I, I thought doing Texas
1: saying and yeah. not to step on your toes, but I thought Texas saying and was a fair amount of adversity, especially given the fact that, you know, they jump out 17-7 if memory serves correctly and you were yeah. at home. And, you know, you still didn't know who everybody was. You know, you had Tyler coming back off an injury-ridden season. You had a lot of, you know, new components, new coordinators. So to jump, for them to jump out like that and for Miami to come back, I thought there was some significance in that. But, yes, on the road at North Carolina, there should be a lot more adversity. Um, but you never know. Maybe they come out with a game plan, and, and, and Tyler Van Dyke is who a lot of people thought he was. And that's why I'm – Bama and other people were trying to, you know, sneak his services away from Miami because, you know, he's a lot better than the options that a lot of people have. And we're now seeing that.
0: Absolutely. Brandon O'Doy joining me from footballhotbed.com. Just want to go into our next section of this podcast, which is surprise, not surprise. Kind of been kind of the theme already, but the surprise or not surprise aspect uh or, or way of thinking of this offense and Tyler Van Dyke. I, I think we were kind of in a wait and see type of mode to kind of see what this offense would look like under new offensive coordinator, Shannon Dawson. And he's flourished to, to be quite honest. Uh, he's, he's, he looks comfortable. He's able to audible out of plays. Uh He's, he's shown, ability to run the football i mean he had a 37 yarder in that game against temple which you know was the longest run for the hurricanes in that game so are you surprised or not surprised to see tyler van dyke in this offense humming the way it is
1: yeah i'm surprised i I definitely thought that uh, you know van dyke was getting a little bit more praise than he had shown the ability uh, to Garner based on his on-field play. Um, but, you know, a couple of things are, you know, a result of that. And The, the, the biggest thing with Tyler Van Dyke is he's got a system that's curtailed uh, to, you know, the things that he does well. And so when you look at, you know, the way this offense has been designed by Shannon Dawson, it's been designed to put him in the position uh, to have maximum success, quick throws. Uh, he has the ability to make decisions. He gets a multitude of routes and choices. He gets an opportunity to get his most um favored receiver, uh, you know, Xavier Restrepo in, in in some one-on-one matchups, which he's naturally gonna win a lot of times because of his route running ability. Just look at him there. Look a clean pocket. He gets all day to throw now. He's not under duress. And and he's showing his running ability of his sophomore season. So there's a ton of light about what Tyler Van Dyke has done. And um, he's really performing very well. So I am pleasantly surprised with him. I wasn't as high on him as a lot of people were coming into this season. Maybe it's because of things I didn't know. Maybe it's because of the fact that maybe the offense he ran last year didn't suit him. I know it didn't suit him. And then it didn't help that the offensive line was a sieve. It also didn't help that there wasn't a semblance of a running game. And I think that's the biggest thing that helps him. The fact that he's got Henry Paris running for over 130 yards, he's got a very good-looking freshman t- in himself. He, he's now becoming a running threat, as you see, uh, the 30-plus-yard run that you alluded to earlier. He just looks comfortable. He looks explosive in, in, in certain areas as far as using his hands, I mean, his arm to throw the ball, and um, he's not making a ton of mistakes. And that's what you want in your quarterback. You want a guy that's a good decision-maker, who's distributing the ball to playmakers like Colby Young, as you see right there, having fun doing it and limiting mistakes.
0: Yeah, only one interception on on the season for Tyler Van Dyke. He's definitely limiting the mistakes. And it's not like he's being conservative. He is pushing the ball downfield. He's taking his shots. The, the plays are, are being called for him to, to take those deep shots. So you kind of love that if you're a Hurricanes fan. And what you also love to see if you're a Hurricanes fan is to Corey Couch, just like you alluded to earlier, is having a pretty good start to a season. Uh, three interceptions, currently leading the nation or tied for the lead, and of course leading the Hurricanes in that regard. He's had like very similar to his career though. He's had some up and downs this season because yeah. if you're watching the, this highlight, uh, a big play that Temple got was a missed tackle or or just not being in the right spot. To Corey Couch was wasn't, um, but you know then he bounces back with two interceptions in this game. So very similar to his whole career, it's been kind of up and down. Are you surprised or not surprised? with his development this season.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised with TC. He definitely was somebody who uh, was a bit of a liability coming into this year. You know, teams have targeted him before, and, and and he's been a guy that has, you know, been somewhat of an enigma to figure out. You know, he's kind of been all over the place. Um, believe he's in his fifth year. He had a really good second year on the field with Miami his sophomore season, I believe. And he looked really incredible playing in that slot. Um, He's there now. He's in that position. Uh, I just think he's been developed. I, the the thing is, if they keep putting him out there, that means he's better than people that are not out there. And so for him over the course of time, he's had to show flashes of things that, you know, coaches really like to see. And so when a guy puts it all together, what i found in my study and talking to coaches and talking to kids, it usually leads to something happening in the background that we don't know about. More work, more film study, and, and putting in more time, taking, you know, off-season regimen more seriously, diet, nutrition. Just the guys who work the hardest have the most success. They talk about camp kitchens all the time. He's first guy in, last guy out. You know, and that's, you know, a common cliche, but the more you prepare for games, the better you are mentally, physically. You have the most success. And that's good because now if you have a core couch who arguably is like the number three guy in your starting defensive back rotation and he's having so much success, all that's going to do is push Davis, Porter, Brown, uh, Brown and Brown and everybody else to, to, to be better. And that's what you want. The competitive depth of a team everybody being their very best, and it contributes to wins and holding up to you like that, uh, Restrepo's doing right now.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the all-South Florida defensive backfield has been pretty good this season with Daryl Porter Jr., James Williams, once Cam Kitchens returns, of course, and, of course, Jaden Davis, along with Takori Couch, have all looked pretty good so far and that level of play has to continue for the rest of this season especially with ACC play coming up another area in which Miami has kind of dominated is the run game and this is on both sides of the ball Brandon i mean they have run for 200 yards over 200 yards in 3 games this, yeah. this season and In total, they haven't given up 200 yards this season. So that's pretty good. And if you know football, if anybody knows anything about football, two areas that you want to do well in is running the football and stopping the run. And Miami's excelling in both of those areas. Surprised or not surprised about that?
1: Yeah, I am surprised because, again, we didn't know what this offensive line would look like. You got some freshmen. True freshman, you know, involved. You got a lot of pieces coming from other places. You know, Rivers has been pretty steady his entire career here at Miami. But, you know, you got pieces. You got Cohen. You got Lee. You got, you know, the freshman. You got all these pieces that are brand new with a quarterback and 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 and, and trying to gel. You got a new running back coach. There, there's so many things going on in that run game, uh, new offensive coordinator. So I've, I'm pleasantly surprised with what I see from Miami Uh, in regard to the run game now it's been it's been a little bit on the men so to speak with bringing back you know Don Chaney hasn't played a lot of football this is the most football he's ever played going back to his senior in high school and then now you're getting Mark Fletcher who looked pretty good late in the Temple game uh, got a touchdown taken away that's crazy Uh, you know got to be disciplined there but you know and and then you have you know Parrish who's been the workhorse like he was last year but the difference between between last year and this year Paris doesn't have to do it all himself and now he gets some help from capable guys and i'm not gonna lie man cj looks good coming in as that fourth back i mean he's had some pretty good fourth quarters in the previous two weeks and so yeah it's against lesser competition but it's still nice to have a different dimension every time you bring a new back in nobody does the same things you know um, and so it's it's been nice, a, a pleasant surprise, a much needed surprise. You have to be balanced. To win difficult football games, you got to run the ball. And they, let me tease ahead to something. I think this is where Florida State's going to be in trouble down the line. They are falling in love with winning games in the air, and they're not developing the run game that they've been known for in previous seasons. When it gets tough, if you can run the ball, you can run out of the stadium with a win. And so this is something Miami is going to want to continue to develop. It is not flashy. It is not awesome. You know, even with Tyler Van Dyke being like that other added element, yes, let him run the football because now it's got to stay in the back of someone's mind that this guy can pull it and he can get 15 yards. And that helps the entire offense open up. So you got to be a run team if you're going to win close games. You got to be able to do it. Ohio State ran a game. They won a game running the ball, you know, um, yeah. right down the throat. Now, granted, nobody was on the field. I mean, they, they played the game. They played the play with 10 guys instead of 11. But, you know, it does help to be able to run the football.
0: How does that happen? I, I, I don't understand how that happens. Two well, plays my, in a row. Miami
1: fans will give you two words, but, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> two golden words, I, I think. Two
1: golden words, the golden rule. But that's not on the D.C. There are a million analysts. There are people in the in the box. You got to earn your money, man. Hey, we don't have enough. You know, like right. somebody's got to yell down. Hey, because I mean, we've seen we if you cover football for any length of time. You know, that's not on the D.C. He's sitting. he's looking at his call sheet. He's trying to figure out what play, what 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 offense they're running. You know, he's not control of personnel. That's on the D.N. coach, the D tackles coach. You know, somebody, one of these analysts. But I can guarantee that person didn't have a good weekend.
0: <laughs> can guarantee that for sure. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see how Miami kind of navigates through this ACC schedule. And uh, I do believe I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I do believe they go through this entire month of October unscathed. Now November, I think, is a different story. I think Louisville is actually. A lot better than people think. They're they're also undefeated, and in Florida State, of obviously, is going to be a tough game in Tallahassee, and then Boston College is kind of a a sneaky trap game as well. The day after Thanksgiving, you know, it's going to be an early kick. It has all the signs of an upset to <laughs> right now. So we'll see <laughs> looks how looks like the pit,
1: Looks like the pit <laughs> game all over again from the ten and zero season. Um, just and you know, but I mean there's a long way to go, but yes, I let me say this because no one's really ready to do this. Every one of Miami's remaining games is winnable. If if Clemson's beatable and Florida State barely beat Clemson, North Carolina is not the juggernaut we thought they were gonna be.
0: Sure,
1: North Carolina State, decent team, but not again, Georgia Tech. Not the cellar door that we thought they'd be, but you get them at home at night. These are all winnable games, yeah. And that's what you have to like. I think that's where I'm ready to stop. I'm not saying you're going to win these games, but sure. it's not like you're coming into these games like there's no way Miami's ready to beat Clemson. We're not saying that anymore. Exactly. We're not saying that. We're, there's but no way this team can go on the road and beat Florida State, a rival. We're no longer saying that. But I I, I like the way the schedule is slowly building, guiding along, help building up the depth, help building up, because, again, my biggest key, and I think we talked about this the last time I was on, you got to have playmakers to win big games. And I think you're developing more and more playmakers on offense and some on defense. I love the way James Williams is playing. You've got a lot of – couch-making plays is the best thing that, that could happen. Absolutely. You know? that that's that gives you probably and you hate to say your worst but your lowest rated guy as a starter on defense is making plays.
0: Right. You got to be
1: happy about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh so well we'll see how it all plays out. We'll take it game by game uh just like the coaching staff mm-hmm. says uh but uh you know going into a bye week this week certainly a lot to be happy about if you are a Miami Hurricanes fan and to to add on to a point you made about the running game, Javion Cohen said earlier in the week, you, you bring your running game with you on the road. <laughs> you, you don't leave home without your running game. And yeah. that's that's something that does travel. And I think that's an aspect of this team that will keep them in games for this entire season. Absolutely. So, so um Brandon O'Doy once again joining me from football hotbed.com. You were at one of the biggest games of South Florida last week in Shamanad Madonna against Miami Central. I saw it all go down, you know, on TV. Uh, so I had I, I had a, I had a, a sense of, of kind of what the feeling was on the field uh, because I'm sure it was it was an electric atmosphere. What were your thoughts coming from that game, uh, especially from the Miami commits in this one, from Zaquan to JoJo to what you saw from Armando Blunt and and, and Vincent Shakers?
1: Uh, I think that the, the biggest takeaway is that Miami is so fortunate to be getting Zaquan Pat- Patterson. That kid now, he, he's beyond, he's an incredible prospect, just yeah. incredible. Um, they get beat without Zaquan, and 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 at the end of the day, he was just not allowing uh, the Ford running back. You know, and their names are crazy because they are all kind of similar. And I know he's the youngest one, but this Zaquan kid has range. He has speed. He's super tough. He's smart. I mean, he's got that. Dog I don't like too. Huh? Oh, no, he's got the dog. He's got the South Florida dog. There's nothing I don't like about this kid. Every time I see him play, I fall more and more in love with his game. I saw him play at Northwestern Live in person. He does this freakish pick six. You know, because you're like, what plays does he make? Well, he comes across the middle like this is a goal line. They're running a slant on him. And without getting a P.I., he kind of holds the defender in the back where you ref can't see. And, and blocks the ball with his front end. I mean, that's as technical as you can be. It's textbook. Yeah. yeah I, that dude is the truth. There's going to be no fall off. He's going to walk right in, I feel, to this defensive backfield. I uh, don't want to be too, too high on him because, you know, you know I don't want to have people be like, oh, you said this. That. He's still not a college kid, but for a high school prospect, he's definitely near the top. And the, the best thing is he's got the size right now. He he yeah. can get bigger, but he doesn't have to get any bigger to be an immediate impact guy as a freshman. So he played well. Um, Armando Blunt had moments you didn't see us a ton from him because you know he just had a great scheme of doubling him all night. You know, Shavers didn't get beaten coverage. They've kind of got Shavers playing in like sort of a nickel defensive back role there. He's not even really playing true linebacker. So a lot that's going on with him, you really can't tell. Um, And then Josiah Trader, again, this is not going to be popular. He's a dog at defensive back. I mean, I know he's (laughs) being brought to Miami as a receiver. um, And he had that great one-handed catch over the middle. Uh, He's kind of floundering in this offense. He's not really a target. You know, they spent a lot of time going to um, J.J. Smith. They spent a lot of time going to Kyle Washington. Even the kid, the sophomore kid from Palm Beach gets a lot more targets. But when he got in on defense, that was the thing that really shut LeWayne McCoy down because he's so, you know, he's just he's a glove. Like he's really right on top of you as a defensive back. So good problem to have for Mario Cristobal and staff. But, yeah, that, that was a tremendous game.
0: Yeah, he he does have his moments at defensive back, but every time I speak to him, he says, you know, he's not trying to run people run after people on on the college level. So I'm pretty sure he's he's going to be locked in playing receiver. Uh right before I let you go, man, just uh it was obvious to me who the most valuable player was in this game, and that was Jeremiah Smith. Uh he's just he's just an outstanding talent, but CJ Bailey you know, showed something in this game as well. Now, Miami's not, you know, pursuing a Bailey, um, but your your perspective on just JJ's impact and what he could potentially be for this Miami class if they can flip him, and then just generally your thoughts on CJ Bailey and his development.
1: Well, okay, so I'm glad you asked this question because J.J. Smith tweeted this weekend at some point. I don't know. There's a lot of tweets out there, but he said Cedric Bailey is one of the best. He may have said the best quarterback in the nation. Okay. And he is trying to let people understand and know this guy's been undervalued. So a part of me thinks, and this is without, to me, I think this has, this has nothing to do with Jeremiah Smith. I think. If you're gonna take a developmental prospect that fix whatever, you need to take a guy out of your backyard. I don't, I just do not, I am not in the Judd um Anderson. I'm not in that camp. You know what I mean? I just you got a guy who sat here and never lost 10 games in his whole life. He's sitting right here, he's almost the exact same size. He may be off by an inch, he's six five. He's right. still gotta develop. You know what I mean? Meaning his body type or what have you. He's played around all of the guys that you're getting. Chance Robinson, Josiah Trader, and a guy you want uh, in Jeremiah Smith. How are you not tendering him? Like, how are you not beating down his doors? You know, and he he continues to stack national performances together. The lights are never too bright. The biggest thing for C.J. Bailey that, that I was questioning is his toughness. He took some really monster hits. Yeah. First, first, first drive of the game, LeWay McCoy, boom, right in his grill. Like just hit him to the ground. Right. He got his cage rattled in the St. Francis game earlier this year. And you could tell he was kind of wobbly. I talked to Frank Tucker, your colleague. uh, And I was like, Hey, he's like, you think CJ got hurt? I was like, shoot, yeah, he got hurt. Like you can look (laughs) at him. He's kind of like needing a moment, but he was tough during this game. He did not give up. He took the hits. And he continued to play. And that's just over the time, continuing to play better, continuing to be out there, playing great teams. Because, you know, their schedule is about to, like, do a nosedive. Like, they play Coconut Creek, which is a really good team, and then they won't play another real team until maybe the Geico Series because they're going to blow past everybody. But at the end of the day, um, I'm high on C.J. Bailey. And maybe, and I'll leave I'll leave this segment alone by just saying this, maybe you flip C.J. Bailey and it gets you a Jeremiah Smith. I don't think you do it for that reason. I think you should do it anyway, but maybe you get two for one. Who knows?
0: Who knows? Uh, I, I mean, C.J. Bailey is – well, what I like about him is that he keeps his eyes down for you. The, the he He extends plays. And because he extends plays, you know his five-star receivers out there are usually able to get open, and right. and and that's that's kind of how they you know get their money. But um, but yeah, I, I I agree with you. If especially to the point that you made about getting a developmental type of quarterback in Judd Anderson, he is you know a three-star prospect who has potential to be great. And that's the exact thing, same thing that you're saying about C.J. Bailey. And same he's right thing. here in the backyard. Shamanad is, I don't know what they're ranked right now, but they have to be in the top three or four in the nation. Yeah, they are. So there's tons of kids in the 2025 class that Miami is interested in on, on that Shamanad madonna team as well. So you want to continue. I mean, obviously you got two kids already, but you kind of want to continue – this pipeline that will not stop over there uh, in Hollywood. So I, I, yeah, I I just think, yeah, why not? Why not take another quarterback? Anyway, last year, you did have two quarterbacks in the class all the way, almost up until the end here. So I, I don't see any reason why they don't, you know, take a chance on him, especially since Judd Anderson is not this five star blue chip type of type of talent so we'll see how yeah. it all shakes out in the end
1: absolutely but, I mean, you know if you're gonna develop a guy develop a guy in your backyard it right. only makes sense
0: yeah absolutely that's Brandon O'doy ladies and gentlemen to kindly join me on the storm tracker podcast once again make sure to subscribe to this podcast on all platforms subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Keynes County subscribe to the website Keynes County com for free use the promo code miami30 as you see scrolling at the bottom there brandon thanks again for joining me on this episode and uh look forward to seeing
1: you see you soon man thanks for having me
0: all right that's gonna wrap it up for the storm tracker podcast